I've learned so much about this space, but collectively, the 60 plus market is owning 83% of the US wealth. So when you think about that from a perspective of the investment, the innovation, the space, the consumer segment, is it's huge. Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day. I'm a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Okay, welcome to another live broadcast of the Nursing Home Podcast, the only podcast you need to go to to learn the real deal about what's actually going on in the nursing home space. This is not me, the expert, sharing all the stuff with you. Rather, we bring on experts to the show, and they will share their unique experience about what they know and their perspective. So with no further ado, I would like to introduced to today's guest. I'm very excited to have Judy Fox is joining us on the Nursing Home Podcast. And before you say hello to Judy, let me tell you who Judy is. Judy has generated over 5 million views LinkedIn content in just the last two years alone. Judy was featured in Inc. Magazine, CEO Magazine, Vid Summit, Video Marketing World, and developed the LinkedIn Business Accelerator Method. So when you talk LinkedIn, Judy knows a thing or two about it and now is focusing on the senior care space. It's something we want to speak about. So Judy, thank you so much for spending some time and joining us on the Nursing Home Podcast. Welcome. I'm excited to be here. I think what you just said, first of all, thank you for the great introduction, but also I asked myself the connection between LinkedIn and the Nursing Home Podcast is, as you were just mentioning, visibility on this space is extremely powerful. So it is really true. There are a lot of people, a lot of movers and shakers of the nursing home industry that are very active and very engaged on LinkedIn. And just to be clear, I'm not just referring to vendors. I'm not just mm -hmm. referring or looking to sell to nursing home operators. There are plenty of nursing home operators that are very active on LinkedIn. Some of them, you know, outright active and some of them what we'll call stalkers with no profile photo and all that type of stuff. <laughs> some dummy, but they're watching very carefully what's going on and feedback on and off of LinkedIn. So you're, you're definitely right in saying that this is, this is an industry, which is very active and a lot of, th a lot of interesting things are actually happening. So yeah. And because of the work that I do with my clients and I've learned so much about this space, but collectively the 60 plus market is owning 83% of the U S wealth. So when you think about that from a perspective of the investment, the innovation, the space, the consumer segment, is it's huge. Run that by one more time. So people over 60 are the largest consumer segment owning 83% of the U.S. wealth. Wow. Wow. So if you want to know, I'll just say <laughs> I was listening today to Grant Cardone, and I think I even posted about this on LinkedIn. And he said, once you define how much money you need to make or you want to make, and there's a method of doing that, 
The next thing is, who has my money? Now, that's not a gross, greedy type of thing to say. You can have the best products and services and you can have the best intentions in the world and you want to service the world and you know solve all the problems. But if your target audience does not have the money to pay for it, you will not be successful. So if you want to know who has my money, 83% of the wealth is owned by the 60 plus community. So if you're selling to millennials because they're cool and they all have iPhones and they like tech, they might not be the people who can pay for your stuff. So that might not be its place, but the senior care space, this is these are people who have accumulated, you know, a lifetime of wealth and they're willing to pay for it specifically when it comes to their care. And the innovation that you were probably just gonna mention that you said, Oh, I might look at millennials and see what they want and need. A lot of what is want and needed at the senior care thriving, uh, living well beyond 60 plus, all that innovation can be also generated for millennials because it improves all of our lives. Okay. Wow. So I like that. So in other words, it doesn't have to be exclusive. If you invent the next refrigerator, which will maybe be very beneficial to, to the seniors, that's not excluded anybody else, but it just, mm -hmm. you know, a place to focus on. There's definitely a reason to focus there. Before we get jump too deep into this though, my listeners don't may not know yet who you are. And I know we gave you some information. I always like to just, a minute or two, if you don't mind sharing with our listeners or viewers right now, wherever they're watching, can you share with them briefly what your professional journey has been that brought you to doing what you're doing right now? Yes. Yeah, so I started my professional journey getting a degree in chemical engineering, and I've worked for petroleum refineries. I've worked for mining companies. I've worked for Tesla. I've worked for Kraft, Scott's miracle Grow, all the different a lot of major brands, but I will say one of the reasons why I got connected to all those companies through being a chemical engineer, and then I got my master's in environmental management and business sustainability. And all of that then became apparent to how to connect and network to those opportunities, those contracts. It was because of LinkedIn. So 2008, 2009, the economic crisis hit. And I networked to create my own company, my own environmental consulting company, engineering co consulting company, grew my own six-figure business, and then started realizing people needed to know how I did that. <laughs> and in 2018, I launched out on my own again for running what I call now my LinkedIn Business Accelerator, where I take clients like the ones we're talking about. I have clients in the active aging and longevity space, 60 plus market, and they are very active on LinkedIn. And I amplify their message and get them the networking connections to make incredible relationships and deals happen on LinkedIn. Wow. So coming from the environmental space, from a chemical engineering background, and then working your way, really seeing the magic of LinkedIn, and then really leaning into LinkedIn for what it really is. Yeah, that, that's, really, that's really fascinating because <laughs> it really is such a, an opportunity to connect people in industries. And you, you took the step back to realize what was the thread that was the common thread that you know always pushed you to your next opportunity and realize what you did right about that. And then, and now, you know, now you're helping other people do that as well. So that's actually really amazing. So now let's jump right into the meat and the potatoes here. So first of all, a shout out to Brian Wallace for putting us together. I'm actually going to put his comment on the screen right now. Yeah, hi. <laughs> we can't see Brian, but we can. Uh, well, hi Brian, he's, I'm sure he's watching. 
uh, is looking forward to a great show and we are looking forward to providing that for you and for everybody else who is watching so thanks for thank you brian for pairing us up now what is fascinating is that because of the stat that you mentioned in the beginning because just because all the wealth is in the 60 plus community but also there's a very they're living you know they okay just get this pet peeve out of the way it's not they this is us in a few okay. years from now i don't think this is this. everyone right. everyone will be 60 plus you know and it's, all the innovation helps us get to 60 plus exactly you know we we hope and we pray that we become the they at a point unfortunately not everybody makes it to that point so there's a lot of innovation there's a lot of money especially in the startup space that's being focused on this area so and i know that because you have you have quite a presence on LinkedIn and through your clients, which is, you know, fascinating. You got to learn even more about this industry. What are some of the innovations or some of the opportunities that you think where technology can help perhaps solve some of the problems that the aging population is facing? And maybe if you, there are any specifics that you're allowed to share, if you know of any specific companies that are doing some really innovative things to solve some of those things. Well, I think what I find fascinating, and I'll give another statistic for why LinkedIn is a powerful space for these conversations that we're going to be talking about and why I know about the innovation in this space is because LinkedIn only has about 1% of the active users making content on LinkedIn, posting that they have an innovative product, posting that they have won a pitch competition or a venture capital firm has invested in a new product, or even posting about the pain points in the industry. So with that, those 1% of the platform are getting 9 billion views per week. So that is a really powerful statistic. So that means you're getting 3 million people are only there. They only have to share 9 billion impressions of the content on LinkedIn. So an example of that is working with a client who is a active aging and longevity fund manager for a major fund portfolio. It's actually called Portfolia. And the, they just invested $9 million into Siren, which is a remote patient monitoring socks for diabetes because we cannot get into as many offices. Wait, hold as on. I got to cut in. Oh, Back it One up. Thing. No, no, no. Um, just if you're, if Judy Fox Rocks is getting involved in socks, I mean, we're going to get deep into <laughs> Dr. Two plans. Oh, that's good. <laughs> just saying. All right. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm hanging around. No, that was perfect. That was a perfect I I interruption. All right. Keep on going. So what is Siren again? Siren is remote patient monitoring socks. Basically, they're diabetes fabric and they're a smart fabric. So that way... When COVID hit, less patients were making it into doctor's offices for visits. And obviously, we don't want anyone's health to decline. And I don't know everything there is about diabetes. But one thing I do know is monitoring your feet, monitoring your circulation is incredibly important. And if we have smart socks, <laughs> then we can get ahead of health problems before they actually become major health problems. So having remote monitoring socks send automatic data to office hospitals to monitor and alert when there is a circulatory issue is extremely powerful. So 
let's assume this alarm goes on and the clinic. Oh, and I don't know everything about socks. I may be Fox Rocks, but I don't know everything about socks. Okay, <laughs> okay. So, but the point is that we're applying this level of innovation to like such a basic, basic problem. Now, let me bring in somebody, another comment here. And I hope I'm not mispronouncing the name here. But to see a hunter, my concern about VCs are that they are, will they take the time to understand the industry besides the numbers? But empathy, high quality of care needed to care for our most vulnerable. So I think the question is that the general population views VCs as vultures, right? They're vultures with big pockets. I'm not saying this is the case, but this is the, this is the reputation, is that we have a lot of money to invest and we, we can afford to lose so we can, if, if, you know, if we get one out of 10 or one out of 15 that is profitable and one out of 100 that's a unicorn, we're happy, right? Even if we ended up throwing a lot of money down the tube. So this is a very sensitive, delicate population. If we start throwing innovation at this population, so I think the concern, I, I'm, I don't know if this is the intent of the comment, but let me say it my way. The concern can be, are we going to have products that are really addressing pain points? Are they addressing it in a way that, oh, I guess, risks to those who are trying this out? Or is it really just a numbers game? Like, is there anyone with any heart, I guess, involved in making these decisions? Well, I really appreciate that comment because there are a lot of general statements we can make about anything in life, right? Like, you know, somebody in this XYZ industry is going to take advantage or they're going to do this. Obviously, there's so many venture capitalists out there. There are so many firms out there. I personally, I know people don't know me yet, <laughs> but I am only working with one right now. And I very specifically have interviewed them and they've interviewed me. And I literally know that this, and I'm happy to shout her out, Chantel Preston, has been incredible. I know the amount of investment and the amount of time she finds out and spends on determining what they're going to invest in and how they're going to, like you said, it's a vulnerable population. I literally get goosebumps right now just knowing that I'm amplifying a really amazing, incredible person, not only Chantel Preston, but the ripple effect of what she has in the venture capital space literally is changing my life. It's changing the lives of the people she's interacting with. And I am like proud and honored. Like, I feel like my voice is shaking because how it's not about me sitting down and saying, let's get every venture capital firm voices out there. Let's get good ones out there. Let's literally spend the time amplifying the products, the messages, the impact, the financial impact, and hopefully put really good people in charge of some of those decisions that you just mentioned. It's a vulnerable population, and we just don't want to throw money just to throw money. Wow. Um, well, okay. Well, sorry, I'm very uh, passionate about that. I have I, one. <laughs> uh, I so. can I can certainly hear that, and th th there's reason you know for every like like you said we can make general statements about anybody. There are stories that people know of venture capitalists who have done certain things or whatever. But again, but like you're saying that you know that there there are no rules and there's nothing even to suggest that that is the majority. But the, the, well, people get concerned about it right away when yes, the average guy in the street, venture capitalists, you know, an 80 year old with multiple medical complications going on at the same time, wheelchair bound at home in a home with home care in a nursing home in a hospital, stand, long term acute care hospital, wherever they are. 
you start throwing all these innovations and and stuff at them first of all it's it, it, two things hit first of all like are we just trying to see how we can monetize them is that the right thing to do or are we actually trying to help them and you very clearly articulated that you know you're being very selective and that we're working with a company and maybe companies to you know to be that are clear in what their mission is and and what they're doing i think another thing if you, if you had to put two completely unrelated subjects again maybe on the same paper and you what doesn't belong you would not put vcs and nursing homes in the same sentence they epitomize the exact opposite of what they are because the vcs is what's tomorrow's technology and five years from now innovation and the things that eventually will hit the masses maybe in, you know in the coming years whereas nursing homes not just because of the population that occupies the space but because of how institutionalized the industry is and how institutionalized is the best word that this is the way we do stuff and you know we're not changing nothing and we're using bed alarms and we're using bed alarms because that's what we do and we're using this old outdated ineffective technology because that's what we did i just picked one example you know even if it doesn't help actually for those who are not familiar better alarms used to be everything and if someone's going to fall you put an alarm they get up it beeps and then you pick them up from the floor it took a while to realize that they don't work they don't they only <laughs> let you know when it's too late to do anything but it's very slow to, for, you know for innovation so really perhaps and again, i'm thinking out loud and tell me if you agree with this it might be the very best thing that could happen to both industries because for a little more heart and caring coming from the vc world and a little more technology and innovation to really provide the seniors the highest level of care that they deserve you know these are these are our parents these are our grandparents and if we marry it like we mentioned earlier this will be us so to marry the best that science technology innovation the business world has to offer right now with the population the most vulnerable vulnerable <laughs> and the most and the most needy it can really produce you know really outstanding results i know when brian mentioned this initially that these mm -hmm. um industries are talking to each other i'm like this doesn't make sense but this is not an app right this is not a social media platform this is not you know uh, e-commerce this is not you know this is not innovative new even you know in the, the biotech space or creating new medications but this we're talking about people who are playing bingo for the for a lot of their day people who are busy going to the therapy gym and back upstairs and they're strengthening themselves physically and emotionally would you you know you would have thought that this these people don't talk to each other all right i'm gonna shut up i'm doing too much talking in my head right now well there is a lot in this space and i think the biggest thing when i talk about like i said we need to amplify really freaking good voices out there. And that's why I appreciate somebody like Brian connecting me with you, trying to actually spend time having real conversations. Me and you have met in person. I have met Brian in person. We've had heart to hearts. We've gotten to know the real core of each other, whether uh, me and you have only met once, but we, you know, we can spend more time getting to know each other. But that's where time and trust comes in. And I think about, for example, like I said, I interviewed Chantel. I've now been working with her for over a year. And we are amplifying, again, I'm a female. I can't, you know, just speak for everybody. But I know that the power of amplifying some diverse voices, there's a lot of 
the world that thinks about venture capital from a very male-dominated space. There was even that comment saying, does it have empathy? And to be honest, some of the content I'm making for LinkedIn for my clients and getting it visibility, I think this client is at over 200,000 views on LinkedIn in the last couple of posts. So I'm wow. happy to amplify that kind of content. So for example, there's a book called Influence written by Maddie, and I always say her last name wrong, Ditchewald. She's the she's a futurist and the like I said, she's an age wave. I don't know. She's co-founder of something called Age Wave. And she is basically talking about how women are shaping the future. We are amplifying specific voices that are increasing empathy in this space, changing the seats at the table and improving how much diversity is out there in this space. And I'll add to what you're saying is that the reason why to embrace, okay, I, I don't want to get into territories that maybe are not so safe, but I'll do it anyway a little bit. <laughs> the reason to embrace diversity is not just because it's the right thing to do and why should only, let's see in your example, only why should only males dominate the VC space? That is not the, the main reason, but it's not the main reason. The main reason is the statistic that you said earlier. 1%, again, I'm not so good with numbers here, but 1% out of everyone who's creating content, who's ever on LinkedIn, 99% are keeping their mouths shut. They're suppressing their creativity. They're, mm -hmm. Maybe their immediate circle offline knows. Maybe they have some secret uh, safe haven online somewhere, some group where they or share. Or they're just busy doing the work. Sometimes we time. get so busy doing the work. Mm -hmm. So, for example, with Chantel, I take her content and I post it. I see her on stage. She just spoke at a Houston women's conference. I'm going to post it. It's not, it's me just being able to amplify her voice without her having to spend time creating content. Got I it. think we kind of need people like me <laughs> to do that because she needs to be out there doing what she does best, having these amazing conversations at the table, basically the economic and the influence and the power that diverse voices can have needs to be amplified. Yes. I mean, this is, this is certainly true. And a lot of the diverse opinions, maybe they're hesitant to share themselves fully, not just because they're too busy. Yes, some of them are very busy and they can't do yeah. it. And that's where definitely having someone like yourself or, by the way, myself, <laughs> you know, do stuff like this is beneficial. But also sometimes they feel like they're not worthy uh, or they're not fitting. I'm not important enough because it's a male-dominated space. It's a certain age, a certain race, a certain anything. And I'm not that. And uh, you know, we all have ways of putting ourselves into a box by saying, for whatever reason, I'm out. You know, it shouldn't be me. And by uh, LinkedIn is, you know, I think the blessing of the social media space, where it's for the most part, it's not garbage. This is real human beings connecting on a very human level. And to be able to create relationships that are real and substantial and, you know, of substance and not just I'll be a connection with you on LinkedIn, like one of those stupid invites where thanks for connecting. Let's get on a Zoom call so I could sell you my garbage. But we're talking about using it for the way it's meant to be by creating those real relationships and, you know, someone like you using your success that you've had to be able to amplify those who need to be amplified. And to, to, you know, to shift it a little bit. So it shouldn't just be the 1%. We'll get 2% on there. Get 3% on there. You might need the 1% to drag the other 99%, perhaps, 
But once the one percent, you know, is is dragging more people on there, and you have three and four and five, you get you know you get the content, and you get the people out there who are sharing what they need to share. If Judy, if you don't mind, let's shift the conversation slightly, yeah. and let's focus on LinkedIn for a moment. Not such a major shift. So there are people. So let's see, Chantel, right? She found you mm -hmm. through LinkedIn. She found me through a mutual connection. So not okay. through. I mean, I okay. guess that that mutual connection knew me on LinkedIn. So yes, okay, see that? that's where it comes LinkedIn. back to. <laughs> it always goes back to LinkedIn. So there, there are so many people on LinkedIn who are who are quiet. And so, but let's the one percent that are making noise. Most people can't say they've gotten a hundred, two hundred thousand views in their lifetime of posting, even if it goes over a number of years. And certainly not in the millions when we're talking about views. Now, the goal of us creating content on LinkedIn, of any content creator, is not just to be able to go to sleep and say, hey, I'm an influencer because I have X number of people that follow me and X number of views. That shouldn't be. I, I hope that's not everyone's goal. The goal is to be able to be a mouthpiece so that you can reach a target audience, provide them the value that, that they need and actually help them throughout their day, which will enable you to connect you meaning the content creator to connect with other that people will know who you are. Like I tell potential clients sometimes you can press a magical button and everyone you're connected to on LinkedIn knows what I know you knows mm -hmm. what anyone who knows you well knows about you. Not something that you want to be, not that Schmoll trying to be like Judy and Judy trying to be like Brian. And no, no, no. If the world knows Judy as she is and knows Schmoll as, as he is, wouldn't you press that button? And that's really what you're enabling, you know, your clients to do. But I want to talk about the secret sauce here. Well, give, give us some tips, some strategies. Give us some juice here of how okay. of how people are trying to do this on themselves, how they can be perhaps more successful and being more consistent and on point. So I think the number one thing I tell people about LinkedIn is it is a place to brag about some of your wins, but find a way to speak about them, I don't know, in a way that is sharing the spotlight for example, some people are thinking, okay, I am speaking at an event or I'm speaking on the Nursing Home Podcast. How do we get this podcast to get more visibility, right? We have to talk about it. At a minimum, we have to start there. It has to be talked about to be able to get it anywhere else. We can have this great conversation here, but if we haven't done anything, shared a picture of us speaking together, shared a clip, something that allows people to get a micro trust. I'm always thinking about how to add touch points on LinkedIn and how to add micro trust because we ask too many times of people to trust all the way when LinkedIn or any social media in general is all about micro trust. Like anyone watching this right now, thank you. And we are gaining, even if you listen for a minute, I'm so excited because I've gained a bit of micro trust. You've sat here for a minute. You've said, okay, cool. Maybe I don't have time now, but you can come back later kind of thing. And I think I just remind people that as you put yourself out there, as you put out content, we need you. We need your voice. We need diverse voices and we need to amplify it. So back to LinkedIn, some micro sauce <laughs> is like I said, think about it as leadership. Too many people think about LinkedIn as professional and they say, oh, I need to get on LinkedIn. It's professional. I don't know where to start. Delete the word professional. Think about how to show up as a leader in this world. How would you show up on 
you know, your company, if your company had a meeting and they asked you to take a 10 minute moment at the beginning and do like a, I don't know what, like a safety briefing or something at the beginning of a meeting that you want to open up with and or something that's a current topic and you have to do a 10 minute presentation, that's LinkedIn. The ability for you to show up in a micro way to say, oh, by the way, my company asked me to do this. I'm just going to post a micro moment from that event or that moment in my life. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So I would see that as a part of a of a bigger structure. In other words, are, are you, when you share, don't say I was just voted the number one podcast on the entire globe. No. Here's a link to the article that says that I'm great if you don't believe me. And even my mother agrees. So it must be true. Right? <laughs> no, that could come across kind of funny. So it could work. <laughs> um, yeah, well, she doesn't think so. <laughs> but the point is that you're saying that when you are sharing your successes, you do it in a way of, of bringing value, but you do it in a way of, of pulling other people up with you, mm-hmm. you know, digesting what you just said. And additionally, you put on. But by you, there's someone. If you look around your professional world, you'll see a lot of talent around you. You'll see someone like your example gave a 10-minute or five-minute briefing in the beginning of a meeting, and like, wow, that was really, you know, that was impactful. Imagine mm-hmm. if I could share that on LinkedIn, and now all my 5,000, 10,000, whatever, however many people I'm connected with, they themselves also see that, and, and they'll get the benefit of whatever it is. I'm not going to say, here's my random talk to people in a very specific space that are not on LinkedIn and I'm not connected with, but just shows that I'm great. Again, it's, it's the right balance. I'll tell you, I'm curious to know what you think about this. So a lot of times I think of it, sometimes people forget on any social platform, sometimes people forget that we're talking to humans and we're talking about social relationships. So should I be like this? Should I be like that? Should I, do I want to be a little bit more professional and be a little bit more like this? So be yourself, but not too much. Meaning the leader. <laughs> so what do you mean by leader? You keep on stressing leader. Explain so that. the three leadership voices that I coach are the curious leader. You could show up with a curious energy and crowdsource ideas because we forget that we are not the only source of ideas. So think about your favorite leaders. Anyone who has ever gotten up in front of a meeting, doesn't have to be a big meeting, could be five or six people, but you know they're the leader of the meeting and they basically open up with, you know what, we're here to figure something out. Mm-hmm. We're here to talk about a problem. We're he- we have some situation happening in our, in our sphere of influence that we currently have and we're t- gonna figure this out. Come to LinkedIn with that energy as a leader and you will find success. The other energy is a resource energy. You can be like, basically if you share, I just saw an article about surge capacity that I actually really literally saw on Medium and I thought it was great and I loved how she did her research and I loved how she shared it. So I, as a leader, as a resource, could find a way to share that on LinkedIn and say, here's what I got out of it. Imagine a leader showing up at a meeting and saying, everyone at this meeting, I want you all to read this article, read this resource, here's what I got out of it, and then I want you to read it. And that will generate conversation, comments, engagement on LinkedIn. That's a leadership being a resource. And then the last one is a more of a how-to leader, like a um, creator leader, somebody who comes with step one, step two, step three. My last post on LinkedIn is actually a creator energy leadership voice. So 
I love the quote by Maya Angelou that says, people will forget what you said, they'll forget what you did, but they'll remember how you made them feel. So if you show up on LinkedIn as one of, there's probably many leadership voices, but if you show up as one of those three leadership voices on LinkedIn, you'll know how to show up. You won't be confused. You'll say, oh, I get it. I can show up as a leader. And you're not highlighting yourself. You're saying, you know what? Yes, you did get featured in a top 100 roundup of podcasts, but you could turn it into a resource and say, here's a list of 100 podcasts. I happen to be one of them, which is freaking awesome. But you're celebrating the fact that that's an incredible resource for people to check out the top 100 podcasts in the space that you also got featured in. Okay, I got it loud and clear. So okay. instead of <laughs> no, I did not get it initially, but now now I did. So besides for having a structure and a strategy for what you're doing, but if you actually have the opportunity to be a, a leader, even someone who may not be the leader in person, mm -hmm. in a public setting because they're embarrassed to stand up in front of a crowd or whatever it is, they can really build a real presence and by actually leading. So instead of just, you know, be bold, don't just be the guy in the side of the room, you know, on LinkedIn, you know, you're, you're clicking posts, you're, you're not standing up in front of a room and presenting a whole PowerPoint. It, those who are maybe not naturally such leaders, you have the opportunity to be a real leader, but choose the type of leadership that fits the best with you, I think. And be consistent with it. And then and the then other thing what to say. People, oh, I was going to say, if people are nervous about like what you just said, which is posting or putting themselves out there, I always tell people to start in the comments because the best way to show up and LinkedIn is different with comments than Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere else online. Your comments on LinkedIn actually show up in your newsfeed to your audience. So when you start making comments on LinkedIn and I tell people to come in with leadership comments, how would you comment if you were in a meeting with all of your peers and somebody's obviously standing up on quote unquote stage in front of the meeting, even if it's 10 people, how would you ask your question? How would you respond to the question the leader on stage has? That's how you show up in the comments. You reply in a way that says, Wow, that was an incredible article you just shared about surge capacity. I would love to add and then insert what you would love to add. Like your voice matters in the comments too. Wow. But a lot of it is also the tone is of, of how you're sharing whatever you're sharing. Mm -hmm. You're not sharing it as someone on the side who's muttering under their breath because that's how you're going to be perceived. And if you're hemming and hawing in whatever that means in the LinkedIn space, it's going to be much more difficult to build up a following. And who wants to follow you know, who wants to click follow or connect with such a person. But if you show up as, you know, this is who I am. This is what I believe in. This is what I'm trying to do. I am this type of leader and I'm going to lead you to whatever, not to the promised land necessarily, but I'm going to lead you down the path. Sharing a resource. I could be a resource sh uh, share. I could be the curious leader. I could be any mm -hmm. one of the ways um, that you mentioned. Just, I'm just noticing the time now and the time is going oh, by yeah. too quickly. I definitely want to continue this conversation, maybe offline or maybe <laughs> another episode. But let's just start. Let's try to wrap this up in the way that we began uh, the episode, which is through your business of helping and amplifying leaders online. So you came across this. It seems like this has uh, touched you in you know in a way that genuine innovation and really to to see. I hope I'm pronouncing the name correctly. Hold on. You know, the concern about VCs, they'll take the time to understand the industry, mm -hmm. 
So yes, you're working, you're being very careful and selective. Uh, I'm trying to take the time to understand the VCs. So I amplify or any client I work with, I interview one-on-one -on -one. My clients are interviewing me and I'm interviewing my clients. And so I work with a lot of CEOs. I work with a lot of executives at corporations, small companies, big companies, and I really want to amplify good leadership. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, I think this is really fascinating. The, the two things where the bigger companies with deeper pockets are starting to see the real value of LinkedIn as not just another thing like, yeah, we have a website and we have a brochure and we have a social media presence, but we can actually close deals on LinkedIn. I know people yeah. buy and sell nursing homes on LinkedIn. People uh, get, you know, obviously jobs on LinkedIn, but not even through the jobs feature, which is a decent feature, but even just through relationships like you would in real life. So innovation, technology, new inventions, investors, understanding what's going on in the world and seeing who the players are in the space is also happening now on LinkedIn, which is, which is almost like a, a welcome to those who are creating content that the big boys are noticing. And, the, and again, I don't mean boys and boys, uh, but the big guns, uh, I can't say anything. I get myself in trouble. <laughs> but players maybe are the people who have the money to make real change happen are noticing that LinkedIn is, is, is a place for adults, for grownups, where we can actually make real change in an industry that is so ripe for disruption. And I hate overusing that word, but it's true because so many things are just being done because they're being done. I'll point out that nursing homes specifically are having to question who really needs to be in a nursing home. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of nursing homes now are suffering from census problems because people are seeking, very actively seeking alternate solutions because they think that nursing homes are death machines in COVID, which unfortunately maybe was the case in the beginning until the world understood how to deal with it, which is no longer the case. But th there is such a perception and it's forcing people to say, okay, are there other places of getting care? What does home care look like? How can we get the, you know everything we need in a nursing home in a home care environment? Wait, you don't have 24-7 coverage. What about telemedicine? What about teletherapy? What about tele everything else? And you know, there's a lot of companies that are you know throwing a lot of money into trying to figure out this type of stuff. And there could be somebody who has an opinion in the space, a leadership level opinion. And to amplify that voice will get them the either solution that they have inside of themselves or they have an idea or sometimes it's the dots that need to be connected between multiple people having incredible ideas. Sometimes we never know when we're doing these brainstorming sessions, like I mentioned, where we're like, hey, we have a problem. We all need to collaborate and come together. That's when I look at companies like 3M and how do they invent sticky notes and they give their employees time to go network with other departments to actually become more innovative, to become more diverse in their thinking. And it's not just in their silo. So same thing that's going to happen. We need to amplify some of the conversations that maybe are happening privately or not as loud or somebody just doesn't know how to amplify their own voice and then that's where i step in or you step in you i am right. pointing the right way <laughs> so <laughs> i don't think the space is crowded we need more people like me and you that can and know how to amplify people's voices and i love what you're doing here with the nursing home podcast that's incredibly smart and powerful 
to, like you said, have the conversations. If we don't have these conversations, how can we even know? We don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will tell you is that there are a lot of, you know, major companies that are innovating now and they, there's a lot of startup mentality even within large established companies and i will tell you that the bland blue wall that you see behind me is my workspace here in staples studio in boston which is actually the very first staples store shout out to staples you're welcome and they've tried a lot of innovative stuff here so they actually have a podcast studio here they actually have a uh, shared workspace here their own version of WeWork. and i've been i've spoken to a lot of the People have been very involved in this, and there is a whole startup culture within the overall organization, which is pushing for a lot of this innovation. They have a lot of the struggles and opportunities that startups have. They have the same resources as the rest of the company. They a lot of times, they, you know, they're working. You know, they have to prove that it works before you know money is being thrown at them or other resources. Again, I don't know all the nitty gritties, but the point is that that level of innovation should be amplified. And Staples, if you're listening, it'll be my pleasure, to, Judy, to help you amplify that and amplify the people that are making stuff like that happen. And, getting... and I didn't even know that was happening at Staples until this yeah. conversation. We have to have these conversations. And these are the conversations that just even a micro clip of you talking about Staples and us and me replying and being like, what? I didn't know about that. Exactly. <laughs> Those are powerful moments. Yeah. So, you know, I got to share that with them. In closing, Judy, just because I see that how late it is. Tell, first of all, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your perspective and your expertise on about LinkedIn, about the, the shakeup that is coming to the nursing home space and the innovation that will be coming by people with big hearts, people who are caring, and they have the compassion married to innovation, which will come and, I hate saying the word disrupt, but that's what it's going to do to change, evolve, and innovate this space. I really appreciate your perspective. If you want to learn more about Judy Fox Rocks Fox. <laughs> Sorry, I have to um, say that. Want to learn more yeah. about you, about your business. Where's a good place for them to go? The fastest place to get to all my socials and to find out more and to uh, get on my calendar. If you are interested in being somebody who says, you know what? I do have something that needs to be seen and heard. And that's where you get on a call with me and we interview each other because it is about a two-way connection here. I want to amplify voices that really need amplified. I want to amplify empathy. One of my clients, actually, her hashtag is empathy in tech. And she has a company nice. that is software that is amplifying empathy through, through, through software. So I, I'm in this space. I am loving it. I freaking, I'm all about it. And I am here for it. And she's actually one of the top 10 LinkedIn profiles on LinkedIn. That is really, she got a, what is that? Like a top voice. She's actually local. So she's oh. my neighbor and I, <laughs> yeah. But I found her through an event called RebelCon. So I really, really love the idea that there's a lot of innovation happening in a lot of conversations. So Awesome, but you still didn't tell us where they should oh, go. Judy Fox, my website, J-U-D-I-F-O-X.com. The key okay. is the I, There we go. Okay, excellent. Yep. So everybody <laughs> who's interested in learning more and you want to meet up with, with Judy and see how she can help your business shine online, specifically on LinkedIn, and not just to shine, but to develop those relationships that you need to take your business where you would like to do it. So head on over to JudyFox.com, J-U-D-I-F-O-X.com. 
to learn more, to see this episode and past episodes, head on over to the nursinghomepodcast.com, all one word. And thank you, everybody, for joining us on during this live broadcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Judy, for your time. Thank you. Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd rate this podcast and let everyone else know what an amazing resource this is for those wanting to learn anything and everything about the nursing home industry. So head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Leave me a review and let the world know what an amazing show this truly is. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes.